Uh, we spent nine hours making waffles yesterday. The Jewish music, I just suddenly felt like I was at home. This, these weather conditions can be lethal to, for people you know, who, who are having to, to spend it outside. So every Christmas we go to Addenbrooke's and we sing. Hello and welcome to Switchboard, Varsity's flagship podcast. I'm Rafael Kulberhoffman and this week's episode is on Merry Bridges. This week, Switchboard attended a variety of student events and organisations to find out how Cambridge students are both celebrating and taking action during the festive period. I went along to the Belgian Society's Wafflemas event to find out how they are bringing some Belgian culture to Cambridge. I interest you in a waffle? Yeah. Perfect. I'm here at the waffle making station with Matisse, the waffle chef. Um, let's ask you, we're standing here, um, we just, just described the scene. What's your setup? So we have three or four waffle irons. Uh, currently I'm using two because demand is kind of uh, decreased, but it's quite intense. Yeah, so as a, as a waffle chef, what would you say is the most difficult part of making a waffle? What are your top tips? Ooh, um, I think it's definitely the batter. Uh, the yeast makes it quite difficult. Uh, I don't know all the biology behind it, but you know, it's like rise and uh, getting that, I don't know, activated or whatever the terminology is. It's quite difficult. Um, and then all the like small extras. So when we made our waffles, we did one batch. Um, kind of tasted it and then tried to improve it, added some vanilla, some extra sugar, some salt, and that kind of fine-tuning, I think, as well. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we made everything ourselves. Uh, we spent nine hours making waffles yesterday, <laughs> from 10 to 7. I asked some waffle eaters what their favorite toppings were. Um, Maybe salted caramel? Yeah. With bananas, I'd extra. Yeah. I really like bananas, and I also like caramel. And I like jam, and I like chocolate sauce. Would you describe yourself as a big waffle fan, just more generally? I can keep on going about how much I love waffles, but then be a bit of waffling. Uh, so how do you feel that this event in general has helped you appreciate Belgian culture? Not much. Have you been to Belgium? I didn't even know waffles were a Belgian thing till you mentioned it right now. I then spoke to Olivia de Henne, president of the University Belgian Society. Yeah, so the Belgian Society is quite young, so we've run it, we run it like, we've run it for two years before this one, but this has definitely been the most popular. Last year, maybe like 300 people were interested on Facebook, so once we saw a thousand, we decided to really up the quantities of waffles we made, because um, we could see that it was going to get quite busy, but it's really nice to see that many people here. So, um, how integral would you say waffles are to Belgian culture and Belgian food? I mean, super integral. Um, no, it's just like, people love to eat them at Christmas. Um, it's something that we always sell that's always very popular. Um, but yeah, it is quite a Belgian tradition, so it's nice to get to share that with everyone at Cambridge. As a Cambridge Belgian, what does it mean to you, the enthusiasm that a Belgian cultural event in a way has generated? 
Um, I think it's really positive. It's just very nice to see nationalism as a way of just being quite like friendly and open and people just learning about different cultures and just taking the good of like different countries and stuff. So it's really, it's always really nice to see lots of people want to come because um, we're just a small society. So it's great to see like all of these people here, even though it's just the small country of Belgium. So what's really nice is that a lot of people are associated to Belgium in some way because a lot of international Europeans have lived in Brussels um, and those sorts of things. So we get a whole host of people who feel some link to Belgium coming to our events. Um, so it's actually quite a popular site. I wouldn't actually be able to tell you how many people are Belgians here, but, um, but yeah, we get loads of different people who have some kind of connection to Belgium coming. So, so this is a final question. What is your favorite waffle topping? Difficult. I'm going to have to say speculose paste because that's the most Belgian topping there is. So that would be my answer. I also attended a Hanukkah party at Jesus College, hosted by the Jews for Jesus JSOC group, to find out how some people who don't celebrate Christmas still manage to get into the Bridgemas spirit. So, 3,000 years ago, there was a guy called Alexander the Great, and he conquered the land that is now Israel, um, and his successor regimes were quite oppressive towards the Jews. They sought to sort of suppress their religion. They um, sort of desecrated the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. Um, so naturally that started a revolt, the, the Maccabean revolt, um, and they were victorious. So obviously we celebrate that miracle. But then there's also the second miracle of Hanukkah, which uh, is about when they finally recovered the temple, the, um, the menorah, or what we call the Hanukkah, uh, which is a sort of uh, ceremonial uh, candelabra. Um, it only had, they only had enough sacramental oil to last one day, but it actually lasted eight days. And so we actually, and in that time, they managed to get enough to keep it going, the eternal flame. And so Jews consider that as a miracle. Now, on a personal level, um, you know, I'm not perhaps the most uh, religious Jew, um, but I think it is a nice time to connect with friends. Um, because of the whole miracle of the oil, there's a tendency to have these very fatty foods like donuts and lutkas, which are these sort of potato fritter things, which are the best fried thing you'll ever have. Um, and you get to see some nice stories. So Zev, what does it mean to be a Jew at Jesus? Um, at Jesus? Well, they say that Jesus is the only college named after a Jew, which is why, why it's so popular with that. It's, it's not, it's independent from the actual, I think all college JSOCs are independent from the main one. It gets separate funding, uh, but they coexist. We invited the chaplains to this event. We. Uh, we don't contradict like the the main JSOC. So how would you how does it normally make you feel as a Jewish person during Christmas time in what is a Christian country? And how do you feel Hanukkah um, fits into that as part of the uh, festive season? And how what role does um, Bridgemaker play in that? <laughs> well, I've never kept Christmas. I've I've always just viewed it as something that happens. Like, a, uh, I, it hasn't been that relevant to my life, but I've seen it every year. Uh, as someone who's never experienced Christmas, I guess that I've never experienced what it entails with the fact, the unity that it brings with families and, and the love around it. So I, do, I couldn't comment on like the effect of being a Jew in, in Christmas because I've just never experienced that. But as, as a parallel, there are, there are like lots of other parallels in other religions. As a parallel, Hanukkah is, is very nice. I think it's nice that lots and lots of religions have a sort of holiday spirit at this time of the year. 
and and family is uh, I think key to that. So uh, yeah, thank you very much both for joining us on Switchboard and a merry Bridgemaker to both of you. Bridgemaker Sameach. That means merry Bridgemaker in Hebrew. <laughs> Um, I really feel that like JSOC and specifically like Hanukkah parties like provide me with a sense of like feeling of home. Like when I'm at JSOC I can feel like I can truly be myself. Um, it like connects to my Jewish identity and like I really do enjoy the Christmas season like all the lights and the songs and everything but obviously I don't connect to it on a fundamental level and like coming to JSOC when I like walked in and like hearing the Israeli music and the Jewish music I just suddenly felt like I was at home. I spoke with Stephen Cole of the Cambridge Homeless Outreach Programme about the work that the group does with student volunteers to help alleviate some of the hardship of being a homeless person in Cambridge during the cold winter months and how being aware of the homeless crisis in Cambridge can change perceptions of what the city is like during the festive period. Uh, in my experience, um, you know, the vast majority of students are aware that there's a big issue of, with homelessness in Cambridge and want to do something to help, um, but often, a lot of the time, just aren't sure how. Once a week, on Wednesdays, we go um, we go along to Winter Comfort, um, uh, and uh, so three or four students come along, different students each time, um, and we, you know, bake some cakes or, or something to take along, um, and, just, and just talk to people there. Um, and this is a good way of providing company, um, providing, you know, something, something um, tangible, um, something tasty to eat, um, but also, um, yeah, breaking down the sort of stigma and, and the sort of um, sometimes the misconceptions around homelessness um, and, and actually just making it a bit more personal and getting, helping people to, to actually get to know um, to know homeless people. Above all, what we can do um, is treat homeless people as as you know part of our part of our community. Um, so that's so whether it's just um, stopping uh, and saying hello and having a conversation with people when you see them, that sort of um, breaking down a sort of social barrier and uh, and showing that you know that you know we we as students do care um i think makes i think makes a really big difference i think um that the importance of that shouldn't be underestimated so what would you say some of those misconceptions are about homeless people that students have and often i think i think people like to soothe their own consciousness consciences um by 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 saying like you know homeless people um have become homeless because they've of their own bad decisions or because um they've they've not worked hard enough or because you know they've they've turned to drugs or alcohol or whatever it might be and i think that there are you know there are many reasons for this but i think a big part of it is is actually because it allows people to to carry on with their with their day and 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 it it does sort of have that conscience conscience soothing effect um, of thinking, well, if if they're there because um, because of their own bad decisions, then then you know, like, why do I need to help? Kind of thing. Um, um, this is not to say that that's what goes through everyone's mind, but I think that there this there is there this is that there is this subconscious um, sort of attitude, um, and I think that what we need to do about this um, is we need more empathy, and we need to understand that this really can happen to everyone so 
um, every homeless individual um, has their own complex situation, their own story, um, their own set of circumstances that's led them to where they are. Um, none of them decided to be homeless. And I think that if we all understand that that could happen to any of us at any time, um, and you know, how would we want to be treated um, if it were us, um, then I think that that will sort of breed the kind of empathy and compassion that, that leads us to yeah, just you know, treat people like fellow humans. So uh, Cambridge is one of the most unequal cities in the UK, um, socially and economically, and that's particularly exaggerated in the centre, where there's a vast disparity between um, the wealth and of many of the colleges and the students who attend and the ever-growing homeless population in Cambridge. What are your thoughts on that kind of the social implications of that inequality? Yeah, well, I think there is a there is a huge disparity in Cambridge, um, and and I think when it comes to the winter and and periods such as Christmas, um, you know, sort of rightly we're um, we're celebrating that, but it's also um, it's also important to remember that that beyond sort of the the fun and games, um, you know, it, this is a period which is especially difficult for for homeless people in particular, rough sleepers. So um, a good example is um, so when when on those occasions when we do get snow in Cambridge, um, you know, y- y- people will take advantage of that to um, take lots of nice pictures and Instagram them uh, and ha- and have snowball fights and make snowmen and all the fun things that we do when there's snow. Um, but we but often um, we forget that you know that this these weather conditions can be lethal to for people you know who who are having to to spend it outside um so i think what can be important is just to to keep to keep very consciously in your mind um that you know christmas and winter you know it's a time for celebrating it's also it's also a time for um for sort of um remembering uh, you know being aware uh of what we have and and not everyone has the same um i think it's an important time to 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 sort of share what we have and and remind ourselves um of you know the inequality that exists lastly switchboard also attended the king's men christmas concert held at king's college i spoke to charlie bajant the assistant musical director and joseph zubio the manager of the king's men about their experiences in the group and how this year's concert raised money for the children's wards at Addenbrooke's Hospital. Uh, so this is a concert that has been going for um, more years than anyone in the group can remember. Um, it's always a, a concert which is kind of primarily focused um, towards members of the college. So it's really lovely to um, engage. Um, it's kind of the high point of our engagement with the college every year. It's more of a, of a Bridgemas concert than it is a Christmas concert. I mean, it's because the term finishes so early in Cambridge, when we're doing the rest of our Christmas stuff with the main choir, a lot of the students have, have gone home at the end of the term. So this is something that we do for the students um, during term time, even though it's you know November still, and it's not even Advent yet. But um, I think everyone just gets in the spirit. Um, this year is the first time that um, it's been uh, a ticketed charitable concert. Um, and so we're very happy to say that all of the money from um, this evening's concert is going towards the Adam Brooks Children's Wards. So every Christmas we go to Addenbrooke's and we sing, which is 
part of the reason why we chose Adam Brooks as the recipient of our charitable donation from this concert. And uh, the people who t- take us around Adam Brooks, they, um, well, they're, they're really nice uh, and they tend to get involved. I remember last year we went round and uh, the lady who was bringing us round, she started, she joined in and she started singing uh, Santa Vivi and uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh, and then she encouraged the patients to join in as well. It was really heartwarming uh, to be able to sort of, you know, cheer up people who are spending their Christmas in hospital. It's nice to be able to have that effect on people. For me, the thing that's special about the Kingsmen is um, it's really what we do in our spare time. It's all organised by members of the group, so all undergraduates. Um, and while what we do on a kind of day-to-day basis is singing as the choir of the college um, in chapel, this is our own group, so it's a kind of... Um, it's more intimate feel, I think, um, and it's where we get to express the music we like to do and the styles that we like to sing in. Once a year, well, we try to, at least once a year, go on two simultaneous tours so um, the group the 16 person group divides in two and eight of them tend to go to the north of England and eight of them to the south and they go on little mini tours and then we sort of reconvene again at the end of it and that's always good fun we sing in a variety of places from sort of little parish churches to bigger churches and um, we sort of accrued somewhat of a following now of, of, of people through doing that and it's nice it's nice to be able to spread our music outside of Cambridge well, the the King's Men, the kind of stuff that we sing is, is close harmony repertoire anyway. So, um, you know, that, that encompasses loads of different stuff. So we can sing some sort of historical early music um, as well as some arrangements of people in the group of, of modern pop songs. And I think it's because we sing such a big range of things that it attracts such a big audience. Um, certainly at Christmas time, everyone, everyone likes the classics, you know. Uh, and also I think it's nice to have... Um, something else offered for the undergraduate students and for the graduate students. There's a particularly epic arrangement of the 12 days of Christmas which was arranged by someone in the group a number of years ago called Keith Roberts and um, we only really tend to perform that piece once a year at this concert because it requires it requires the entire group to be there to sing it because there's so many parts and um, so that's always that's always quite enjoyable and it tends to go down well. And for me, I think my favourite is our um, arrangement of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, so it's, it's taking a really classic tune that everybody knows, but it's, it's kind of mixing it up with jazzy, poppy harmonies and effects. So it's really good fun to sing. And if you ever saw it, you That's all we've got time for, but thank you for joining us on this week's episode on Merry Christmas. This episode can be downloaded wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to get updates on our future episodes. This has been Raphael Kulberhoffman on Switchboard. Thank you for listening, and have a very merry festive season, and a happy new year. Bye.